0: For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That comes from Jeremiah, I believe 29 and 11. It's a very, very familiar verse, but I want to bring that to you this morning because we're talking about, um, purpose and God's will for your life. And I had a discussion with one of my brothers yesterday. Love this brother to death, man, brother Reggie. And we, we have these discussions a lot of times, um, just about life in general. And and a lot of what I give you guys comes from personal conversations. Um, That's how God speaks. If two or three are gathered, that's ecclesia, that's church right there. When two or three are gathered in my name, there I may be also. He will be in the midst. So that's when you have in church when two or three are gathered. So most of the messages that I receive come from conversation, come from, you know, me and one of my spiritual brothers, me and my wife, me or uh, uh, whoever just speaking. And God comes into the mist, and he starts downloading. I I look at some revelations as like a a key, right? Or it's a lock. And I got a key, but the revelation is so powerful that my key by itself won't unlock it, right? Because this revelation has two locks on it, one on each side. So what happens is God sends somebody else into the mist that has the other key. And that person is on the other side of the lock. And when we begin to converse, like black folks say, conversate. I said that forever. Conversate, man. It's crazy that that ain't a word. It, it, it feels like it should be a word. Let me get back on point. But but when we, when we begin to converse, right? Things begin to get unlocked because we both have keys. We both brought keys into the conversation. So that's how God comes into the mist when two or three are gathered. Because when you by yourself, you think you know it all, but you don't. Amen. Uh, that other person that comes into the mist, they think they know it all, but they don't. But we both have keys. So when we come into each other's midst and we begin discussing the goodness of God and talking about certain situations. And listen, you don't even have to be talking about God for God to be in the midst. God abides in love. God's abiding faith. God abides in hope. He abides in charity. He abides in all these things. So if you're having conversations about good things. If you're having conversations about the future, if you're having conversations about everything that is good and not evil, guess what? God is in the midst. You don't have to be talking about Jesus. You don't have to be thumping the Bible. You don't have to be praying. If you're having good, wholesome conversation about everything that is good, why? Because in the book of Genesis, he created everything and he called it what? Good. So if you're talking about trees, which he called good, God is in the midst. If you're talking about Animals, which he called good, God is in the midst. If you're talking about you, which he called good, God is in the midst. As long as you're not talking about things that are evil and things that tear down people, things that tear down each other, guess what? God is in the midst. So if you're in the midst of people talking about these things, God will come in with His key and unlock that revelation and start giving you things. So a lot of what I get comes just like that, comes through conversation. Um, this conversation that we had yesterday about God's will. Let's look at that verse again. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Nowhere in that verse that God said, I'm going to tell you what to do. My will is what I tell you to do. My will is only what I make you do. His question to me is what is God's will for my life? And I told him God's will God's will for your life is whatever your will is. Whatever you want to do, whatever, whatever it is you feel in your heart is God's will for your life. And I think a lot of times people get so we try to spiritualize this thing so much and we start thinking, oh, my God, I just want to do God's will. I don't know if I'm in God's will. If you're walking in love, if you've accepted Christ, you're walking in love. You're not doing anything to tear down people. You're not. You're doing things to push humanity and creation for you're a loving person you're you're, you're charitable you're doing all these things then guess what you're in god's will you're in god's will now when it comes to what you want to do as a vocation what you want to do as uh hobbies and all that whatever he's placed on the inside of you as it is in heaven so shall it be on earth that means that every thought that you get comes from heaven everyone it comes from either up or it comes from down whatever you however you want to say it. Every thought that you get comes from the spiritual realm. So if you have desired in your heart, if it hits your heart to be this or to do this or to try this, guess what? That's that's God speaking. So if you have a desire in your heart to get your CDL, guess what? That's God's will for your life. If you have a desire in your heart to go back to school, guess what? That's God's will for your life. If you have a desire in your heart to open a business, guess what? That's God's will for your life. He says, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Nowhere in that verse does it say, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. His plans are simply to prosper you in whatever you feel in your heart, whatever that vocation is, as long as it's not selfish. Book of James teaches us that when we pray for certain things, it's all about motive, that God knows our motive for doing things before we even do them. So when we go down on our knees with the wrong motive it, we might as well keep our mouths closed because god already knows so you have to ask yourself when it comes to even your will am i doing this just to be just to be famous am i doing this just for clout am i doing this just because you know i want to prove this is a big one man um because i know a lot of times that we get this notion or this unction to want to be successful to prove people wrong now what if i told you that even though that's a good thing to say you know i'm gonna show them you know nobody believed in me i'm gonna show them but what if i told you this morning that that's the wrong motive you should never want to be successful just to prove people wrong you should never want to be successful just to make somebody look bad that thought that you wouldn't be a success That's the wrong motive. You should want to be successful because that's what you feel in your heart. It shouldn't be to make people feel bad. It shouldn't be because somebody said something bad, said you never would make it. It shouldn't be because of any of those reasons. We don't have an obligation to prove anything to anybody. Why? Okay, if you say to yourself, I'm going to do this to make such and such feel bad, or to make this person, uh, to, to, to throw it in their face because they said I would never be anything that person may not even be paying you any attention (laughs) they they, that person probably could care less about your success or your lack of success or what if the person even dies like you you're just trying to prove something to that person and the, the person dies so what do you do now do you throw your dream away Because your dream was simply based on proving something to that person. Now the person ain't there no more. So your dream should not should never be based on trying to prove something to to anybody. Because you don't have an obligation to anybody. Your only competition is self. Your only competition is within you. It should always be about proving to yourself that you can be better than you were yesterday. If you're going to compete with anything, compete with your past. Compete with your past victories, not your past failures. Use your past failures as a classroom. There's no such thing as a failure in my book. I don't believe in failures at all. You know what I'm saying? All quote unquote failures are just classroom lessons. I learned what not to do next time. That's it. I learned what not to say next time. That's it. I learned how to handle the situation next time. That's it. There's no such thing as a failure in my book. That type of optimism is what keeps me looking forward to a bright future. And what it gives me a mindset of being willing to try anything. Because I know that even if I fail, I have a blueprint of how to do it the next time so that I won't fail. Amen. So when it comes to competing, if you're going to compete with anybody or anything, compete with your past victories. Look back at the things that you had in your past that were victorious and say to yourself, I'm going to build on that. I'm going to make it even bigger and better than what I did yesterday. I'm going to make it even bigger and better than what I did 10 years ago. I'm going to make it even bigger and better than what I could ever dream because we serve a God that is uh, exceedingly and abundantly above. Amen. So God is always wanting us to look for the exceedingly abundantly and above he's always wanting us to look for the grand he's always wanting us to be you know people that are looking to improve on things to do things differently to 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 manifest in different ways god never did a miracle the same way twice had the power to but he never did he always switched it up he always made it a bit more grand than the last time to prove to the people that you were created in my image. So you should be willing and looking to do the same thing. Every time you do something, do it bigger than you did last time. Do it looking for, you know, a better results than you did last time. Do it in an, an orthodox way this time and expect it to be great. Expect it to be grand because that's what you are. You are creator, created in the image of God almighty. And God is so God is so amazing that even on your own body. Now, we love to say that God never created the same anything. Everybody got the same fingerprints and all I mean, different fingerprints and all that stuff. God never duplicated a person. Even identical twins are different. But God is so amazing that even things on your own body from the left to the right, the left, don't let your left, left hand know what your right hand do. But even things on your own body from the left to the right are not the same. Your right hand ain't even the same as your left hand your left eye ain't even the same as your right eye it just shows us that God is so amazing man that he does things differently even when it can, even when he made your body he didn't do two copycat eyes and put them in your body he didn't do two copycat hands and put them on you he took his time and made each one of them specific and different He gave each one of them different qualities. He put time and craft into each one of them. He made them all different. So that teaches us as children of the Most High God that when we go forth in our vocations, we should be the same way with whatever we strive to do, whatever we want to do in life. We have to have that same mindset, that same mind of God, that same heart of God to be willing to do things differently. David was a man after God's own heart. Why is that? You know, we 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 quote that a lot, but I don't think we understand. Now that word heart actually means mind. That word heart in the Hebrew actually means mind. David was a man after God's own mind. If you look at David, David was unorthodox from the time he was a boy. He went to fight Goliath. Goliath was only used to fighting with swords and shields. So when David showed up with a sling, it threw Goliath off because Goliath had never been in sling warf- warfare. So people say that David was actually at the disadvantage, but David was actually at an advantage because he came into the war with an unorthodox way of warfare. Goliath was looking for him. Even you remember when, when King Saul tried to put his armor on David and he gave him his sword and David was like, nah, that's too heavy. I don't want that because he knew that I'm going to fight somebody that's used to fighting one way, but I'm going to throw them off by fighting an entirely different way. So God saw that even in a 14 year old boy and said that this is somebody after my heart because they're willing to try something different. They're willing to go outside of the box. And because David went outside of the box, David actually was at an advantage because David brought a gun to a knife fight. Ancient Roman slings back in the day, People that were marksmen with slings could sling rocks and stones at up to 70 miles per hour. This was a time before guns. So somebody that can sling a sling at 70 miles per hour, that's almost the equivalent of shooting a gun. So David literally had a gun. I'm just I'm, I'm breaking it down to you. David literally had a gun and Goliath had a knife. So who really had the advantage here? And that's what happens when you think outside the box. When you have the mind of God, it puts you at the advantage. So when you are looking for what your will is and what your purpose is, your will is whatever you desire, whatever God has placed on your heart. Now, when you go for and start walking in your will and try to find your purpose, look for for the unorthodox way. Try it the unorthodox way. Try it the way that, you know, most people think would probably fail because that's where God is. That's where you'll find God because God is in the unorthodox. He's in the ways that are, you know, not typical. You know what I mean? He doesn't repeat himself. He's the same yesterday, but that's his word. You know what I mean? And people take that the wrong way. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His promises are, but when it comes to the, the strategies of man and how man has to do things, and how man has to evolve and live in this world, we have to adjust. We have to change. If you even look at nature, you know, the animals know when to adjust. There are certain animals in nature that grow more fur, more fur in the wintertime and they shed it in the summertime. It's all about adjusting. So we have to be able to ad- adjust the very same way and we can begin to see God just simply manifests himself in our lives, in our purpose, and in our will. So if you're looking for God's will for your life, his simple will is to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. When it comes down to whatever you want to do, do it. Do it in love. Do it unorthodox. Do it in power. Do it in confidence and watch God. I love y'all, man. Y'all hang in there. Be good.